Toast. 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 It's the only good thing about the first movie. Toast. Toast. Um, okay, so this is not the first time that we have both seen this movie. Um, and it's actually not the first time that we've watched it together. This is true. This is the second time that we have watched Mission Impossible 2. So there's really no good all aboard segment because we know it happens because we've seen it a bajillion times. Um, but I thought what a fun intro would be is to give our rankings of the Mission Impossible franchise with no explanation, just your ranking as of right now since there are six out. Are we talking Tom Cruise hair or how well we like the movie? <laughs> how well you like the movie overall. overall Movie overall rankings and go. For me, oh gosh, uh, three. Followed very, 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 very closely by Fallout, Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, two, original. All right. Mine is Rogue Nation, Fallout, three, Ghost Protocol, original, <laughs> Mission Impossible, and Mission Impossible 2 is at the bottom of the list. What? You don't like two? <laughs> what? This is brand new information. I don't not like it. It is just my least favorite of the franchise. Um, but, you know, maybe on this rewatch, I'll find some stuff that I like. Who knows? There are good things about it. It's not like a terrible, terrible movie, but it is hard. It's a weird franchise where it like weirdly gets better as it goes along. Yeah, I listened to your and Corbin's podcast on the first one. Every time you said that, and I was like, well, two is after the first one, so you are accurate. <laughs> You're not wrong. All right, so with that in mind, let's dive right in. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to watch Mission Impossible 2 with me again. Again. This message will self-destruct in five, four, three, two. Identity confirmed. Good morning, Mr. Hunt. Sorry I barged in on your vacation. Well, Mr. Hunt, I don't quite know where to begin. You know me? No. Should I? She's got no training for this kind of thing. But to go to bed with a man at light, I mean, she's a woman. She's got all the training she needs. Welcome to Australia, mate. This ain't funny. mother of all nightmares is on the loose. I don't think I can do it. I mean, it'll be difficult. Very. Well, this is not mission difficult, Mr. Hunt. It's mission impossible. Difficult should be a walk in the park for you. You gotta be kidding. This message will destruct in five seconds. Okay, so we're just gonna dive right in. Are you ready? Uh, I feel yes. like this is gonna be the longest episode really? of oh, all man. time. Just because it's me and you. Um, 
It's quarter right. 11, so let's see how long we can do this. <laughs> I know. Um, welcome to episode 10 of the Booze Cruise podcast, where we are reviewing Mission Impossible 2. Um, my guest for the podcast today is somebody that I have long awaited for to do a podcast with. We've talked about it for a very, very long years. time. Years. Multiple years. Um, and I just went rogue and started my own podcast. This is not rogue. It. it was more like... He's not, he's, he's talking a big game. I'm actually going to get it done. No, I think like, honestly, we were pretty close. And then you started that new job where you get up at like five o'clock in the morning. Oh yes. that one. The one you hate. But, um, so then our schedules were like just a little not, you know, it was just going to be harder. But so I'm thinking maybe I, I have a feeling that this is going to go really well and that we should just clearly start our own podcast after this. So I'm all game. But my guest is Chase Danette. Longtime friend extraordinaire, bigger movie buff than I am. Oh, which I, but I do think that that's accurate. And honestly, like we met through a mutual friend Joseph, and um, I think instantly connected over pop culture. I think you were talking about happy endings. Yeah, uh, it was at a Reds game. Yeah, and it, I don't know. I love baseball, but baseball is such a great sport to go to because you can just chat. Yeah, and not pay attention, and then. The and crowd, then something the crazy crowd, happens. Yeah, yeah, the crowd goes up and be like, oh, what happened? Oh, let's just go back to what we were talking about. So, yeah. yeah, I'm sure we talked movies and he's in the middle just being like, I don't know what's... That's actually you know, a pretty accurate yeah. representation. I think you were talking about Happy Endings and I'd never met anybody who had also watched that show. And I was like, wait, you've seen Happy Endings? And you're like, it's like one of my the favorite shows. The most underrated comedy of this decade. I would kind of agree with that, actually. Because I think a lot of people missed it. They should go back and watch it. No, it, it was doing great. And then they back back Freak, when the nielsen ratings you know back when like times on network television were a thing which won't be it they put it head to head with new girl new girl just destroyed it and it it wimped away it it's sad. true but it is a really good show everybody should check it out but i a lot of our not like our entire friendship is not predicated on entertainment and pop culture but it is a lot of why we are friends um we are big um, i made a joke in episode seven about not having anybody to go see movies with since cameron moved away which is inaccurate because i see more movies with chase than i do with cameron but it was me trying to guilt trip cameron into moving back home <laughs> um that's all right Fam family is you know you know Thicker than friends. I yeah, get but it, now yeah. I think Chase and Cameron are better friends than me and Chase are because they're always talking on Twitter and always liking each other's tweets. And I feel like maybe there's a friendship going on that I don't even know about, which I'm fine with. I'm cool with it. Um, and I think that if we can get Cameron to move back home, the three of us should start a movie podcast. I'd agree. Cameron, I miss you. <laughs> Cameron, come back. Um, so anyways, I... Honestly, though, and I'm not just saying this because you're sitting on this couch and doing a podcast with me, but I really think that my friendship with you has made me love movies even more than I ever did before because I have seen way more movies over the last few years having known you than I ever had seen before. Um, I think, like, I... Obviously, like my well, my major in college was film, so I had to take two cinema history classes, and so I saw a lot of like older movies because of that, which really kind of like opened my um, mind to like some of like 30s and 40s, 50s, 60s, those kind of movies. Um, but as of like present day stuff, like I really feel like I would have seen like a third of the movies that I've seen had it not been for Chase. 
So yeah. and I I was in electronic media, which I kind of like focused on videography, and I had a history of film class, and I was like Ugh, the whole time. <laughs> so if you want to talk about the one thing in our friendship that isn't on par, it's it's the oldies. It is the oldies, but it's, I I love the oldies, yeah. but you not so if much. It's before 1977. <laughs> <laughs> that was just because Star Wars was part of a trilogy that I had seen growing up. It's tough. I get it. I don't love, I mean, I'm not like, I love every movie that came out, but I love the classics. I do love a lot of the stuff. And he did just go see Wizard of Oz with me in Dolby. And that's a, that was 1939. So that was a way back when. So even though you'd already seen it, but we did see it with me again, which was, which I appreciated. So much of my love of movies comes from my friendship with Chase. So it's only appropriate um, it was killing me that I had to wait to have you on till episode 10, but there's a very specific reason why Chase is on this episode, and it is because he's a diehard Mission Impossible 2 defender, and like we said in the opening, it's definitely my least favorite Mission Impossible, and I think most people's. I get it, and what's funny is we we naturally progressed into all of this pop culture mutual fandom. We didn't realize immediately how much we liked Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible movies until we started talking. It was it had to been it's definitely after Ghost Protocol, but when Rogue Nation came out, and then we just realized how much we loved the the series. Um, yeah, because we saw Rogue Nation together, right? Yes, I saw it with your parents. I'm pretty oh, that's sure. Right. Yes, <laughs> I'm like pretty that, sure you were I there. I think that's how I met your parents. But no, yeah, Ghost Protocol was just too long ago. It had to, it had to been Rogue Nation, and then. You you mentioned how you saw Fallout seven times. I think four times you saw me. We saw it. It was four we saw it times back with you. to back opening night with two different groups of people. That is accurate. Then we saw it a sixth time. I tried to get you to go out to Indianapolis to see it my seventh time, and then your seventh time was. I wouldn't say as cool. You only got to see it with the director <laughs> and almost talked to him afterwards. Yeah, but yes, uh, you definitely. Um, or not uh, as big a fan of this movie as me. But I, when you told me about this podcast, you were like, guess what episode you're doing? And I'm like, oh, yes. You gave me Mission Impossible 3, J.J. Abrams. You're like, no. And I was like, well, <laughs> maybe, oh, man, maybe we're doing Tropic Thunder because you know how much I love it, and you've not seen it yet. And you're like, eh, no. And I was like, oh, my gosh, did you give me Mission Impossible 2? <laughs> This burden that I have to carry, you just give. You're me. the only person yes. that would come on here and defend it, so you have to be Mission Impossible too. But I feel like you have to come back for three too, because I don't have to. But it is. But I think my, I, I would love it if you did. Right. So well, that makes me feel a little better because it is. It is a lot of energy to try and defend this movie. It's like <laughs> it's like a bunch of sane people in the room, and you're the one saying like Earth flat, guys. Earth right. flat. You gotta hear me but out on this. I feel like all the discussions that we've had about it, like your reasons are valid. So you're not like, it's not crazy. Like I feel like you have, because they're not, you're not saying like objectively it's better. Like subjectively to you because of certain reasons, it's your favorite. Yes. Or not your and favorite, but you're not And there your is at favorite. least some objective, not like facts that help support my subjective right. but opinion on it. And those are legit. Yes. The one thing I love, which is crazy so this series, all Tom Cruise, obviously, from 1996 till now, and they're about, they're prepping to film these next two. They're coming out in the next, like, two to three years. The span of him being this character is four Bonds. That's insane. Now, granted, George Lazenby only did one, but, like, 
it's like Sean Connery through almost all of Timothy Dalton. That span of time, which blows my mind. So, but and what's he, and cool he's still about kicking butt. yes, but what's cool about them is each one you can definitely see is a product of its time. And why I enjoy this one, it is the most product of 2000, which uh, I was like, yeah, sixth grade. So like, I remember, I remember the trailers for this movie. I remember the scenes in the movie that don't fit with the trailer clips as well. Like, I'm I'm that guy that's like, oh, the trailer was different. <laughs> you are that guy. Yes, and I'm always I like, know. what? I don't even remember the trailer. <laughs> you don't remember that? No. Uh, yeah, I remember this time frame very well, and I understand how every kid that i hung out with which i understand now is a bunch of dudes but every <laughs> every boy in junior high this was the movie people were talking about and even then kind of like episode one which came out the year before a lot of times yeah you're talking about to make fun of it but it was in the it was in the zeitgeist for a reason yeah and i think like i, I absolutely agree that it is a product of its time i think in the year 2000 this movie was amazing it's just, I think what it comes down to is like, it was such a product of its time that that's why it doesn't age well. Yes, but I at least will argue that the the Mission Impossible that pop culture loves is not a byproduct of the first one. It is a byproduct of this one. Yeah, I would agree. Because this is the one where even like Tom Cruise and this producer wanted to make the movie more action-packed because Brian De Palma's first one Yes, you said it was very cerebral. I would understand that. I was maybe nine when I tried to watch it. I rented, oh gosh, I rented, no, checked out. I checked out <laughs> a VHS copy of it from the library Yes. and didn't finish it. I was so bored and confused. Yeah, it's not meant for nine-year-olds. Yes, and I, yes yeah. understandably so. Yeah. So like this was the one that I was at least excited to see because the trailers were like jam-packed with a lot of things that I saw the actor doing like Star Wars got me into the, the idea of a stuntman because of Darth Maul which was the year before and then later that year so you got to understand 1999 it's like Star Wars with the stuntman doing all the Sith cool lightsaber stuff right the Matrix then this the next year with all they call it wire foo but you got martial arts kung fu kung fu on wires to then end 2000 with Ang Lee's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which was nominated for like nine Oscars and one best foreign film that year. So this was just a time frame when over-the-top, cheesy, wire-work-type action was just like the thing. It and totally so, was the yeah. thing. So I get why, like I get it. And actually, like you and I, that's something that we share. Like we were really into stunt stuff. So like that was like a huge reason why Alias was like one of my favorite shows growing up because... Jennifer Garner did a lot of her own stunts and you could see that she was doing it. Um, and that was something I wrote down about this movie too, is that this is definitely the most martial arts heavy of the Mission Impossibles. You never really see, like I realized that in the last scene where I was like, Ethan Hunt never does hand-to-hand -hand combat really in any of the other, not extensively, not to that degree. Yeah, like, well, it's, it's I would say it's way more <laughs> believable, but way less choreographed like not as flashy because like in three he has a lot of hand hand fights when he's um with philip seymour hoffman that whole yeah, like yeah, end yeah. fight with that but like this is like why does he have to jump out of a building like with his knees crossed and his arms up where he's already stomach and chest to the ground to then do a flip 
to go back to that stance before he throws his parachute. Right. He was already there, but no, you have to add the extra. It's every the beauty time, of it, yeah. Every time he goes from cover to cover, he's got to do a little twisty twist with his guns. <laughs> like, Well, and I think that's like, but that's true. Like, I think people look at stunt choreography. It is, it is like choreographing a dance. It's very similar. And so I think like that that late 90s early 2000s like wire work of stunt stuff was beautiful like it was thought out it was definitely like planned to look a certain way it wasn't gritty like 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 you're saying in episode three where he's like beating up you know philip seymour hoffman and all that stuff um so yeah it's just a different kind of but like i i just realized it in the last scene i was like you just never really see ethan hunt this way again in any of the franchises, which is kind of cool. I think it shows what he's like, what he can do. Um, and I will say like, I, I think every time I watch it, I find stuff I like about it. It's not like the worst thing ever. Um, but before we dive into the plot, let me talk a little bit about the drink for this podcast. Um, so I'm calling it the chimera cocktail. Um, and we'll get into what chimera is if you haven't seen it in a second. Um, Mine was the cocktail. Chase had a mocktail version of it, which I think just tasted like fruit punch. <laughs> but, um, it wasn't bad. So it's four parts code red Mountain Dew. And I made up this uh, this drink um, recipe. And at first, when I first started going through it, I, for some reason, was thinking Chimera was green. The antidote is green, which I think everybody says a different way in the movie. Spoleriform, I don't know, something like that. Everybody just kind of mumbles their way through it. And I like halfway through the movie, I was like, what are they saying? Everybody's saying, I think Tom Cruise says it four different ways in the movie. So I thought that Chimera was green and then I found out it was red and I was like, crap, Chase loves Diet Mountain Dew, like loves Diet Mountain Dew. And so I was like, I'm going to make a a mocktail with Diet Mountain Dew in it. And then I realized Chimera was red and I was like, so I did code red Mountain Dew, but then I couldn't find diet code red Mountain Dew. So it was regular, but when you're making it at home, diet regular doesn't matter. It's all the same color. It looks the same. Um, four parts code red Mountain Dew, one part pineapple juice, one part lime juice, two parts sweet and sour mix. And then if you want to make it a cocktail, you put one part triple sec in there. It gives a little, little bit of a um, citrusy flavor. And uh, it was good. It was. It did taste like fruit punch a little bit. I think maybe I just created at home fruit punch, the carbonated fruit punch. Yeah, it was high um, C and C stated for chimera. It's all good. <laughs> oh my gosh. I should call it that. I, I'm calling it that. We're changing go. the name of it. High C, <laughs> C stands for chimera. That's so much cooler than chimera cocktail. Um, like we've already stated, the director of this movie is John Wu. Um, was huge in that time frame. Um, yes. Highly sought after. So big deal. And then the tagline for this movie, which I loved, was expect the impossible again <laughs> it's like really like you can come up with something better um the rotten tomato score 57 percent tomato meter 43 percent audience score it is the lowest of yeah. all six yeah. of the franchise um which i think we all would have assumed going into it um but for those who haven't seen it will you give us a plot synopsis of the movie all right which is very easy because i think in in the like production meeting they were like First first movie, very talky-talky, a lot of thinking, <laughs> no fighting, no guns, pew-pewing. We need to course correct that. And if you were to see a gauge, and if it was on the far left, I think if they'd have put it towards the middle and added some action but keeping a plot, it'd have been good. 
but I think they course corrected and went way over to the right side and just said, turn off brain, just a lot of shoot pew pew and no plot whatsoever, which I think why Sixth Grade Chase liked this so much because like, it's just like... I don't like, have to follow anything. It's just a bunch of fire and explosions. Yeah, and then rewatching it, there's not a lot of action until the end. I'm just like, let's get to it. Let's get All to right, it, man. So, a pharmaceutical company creates a spliced gene influenza super virus because they wanted to make an antidote to get rid of all the flu, which I guess makes sense. Uh, and the IMF force had a guy that was going to help transport a, the guy with the antidote from was Australia to Atlanta at the CDC. And then he just goes rogue, which it does not explain why he wants to go rogue. <laughs> just goes rogue. And he's trying to sell it off, and he's trying to basically blackmail the company into giving him a lot of shares. And it's Ethan Hunt's job to save the day by getting a civilian who happened to be this uh, rogue agent's ex-girlfriend. Who's also a thief. She's a thief. She's a thief. A professional thief. So this plot hinges on the simple fact that Tandy Newton needs to woo two different men successfully and they just need to get rid of this virus before it gets sold or unleashed to the world in which case then many people will die yeah and that's i think that's it that's literally that is literally it there's, little, they, there's little things inside but in that, two but hours they don't really explain it as succinctly as that too they really don't they, and there's a lot of just like assumptions based on the characters where you're like, wait, what? It only takes them an hour in the movie to explain why he was going to Atlanta in the first place. I wouldn't have known if I, I didn't I watch. Well, no, because yeah. I literally started writing like, why Atlanta? Of all the international locales. Just, they could I just happened to. to watch season one of The Walking Dead when that was their goal was to go to the CDC because of the Center for Disease and all that good stuff. Well, so I, it's really interesting that you said that because I there was a note of trivia that I had written down. Um, yeah, so the, so director John Woo's first cut of the film clocked in at three and a half hours. And so Paramount was like, uh, no, and told him it could not exceed two hours. So they had to cut an hour and a half out of that movie. And I'm thinking most of that was plot. Yes. And <laughs> in doing that, they also had to, that original cut was R rated. So they had to dumb it down and make it PG 13 and an hour and a half shorter. So in the so no wonder yes, you can't yes, understand some of, it. Some yeah. of the stuff's a little interesting because it opens up. You have a voiceover of this Russian guy who he actually shows up in a season of Downton Abbey. I was forced to watch all those, and I <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's the Chimera guy. It's the Chimera he's talking guy. to a guy named Dimitri. You have no idea who that is, and he's just saying, hey, how does he say? He's like, every hero needs something. Every villain needs, needs yes. a... Well, every every near every hero needs something created to which every hero is required to have, which is a villain. And he's explaining these viruses in the anti in the antivirus. And he has basically poisoned himself with the virus, with the antidote with him, traveling on this plane, and you find out that he is with Dimitri, who is Ethan Hunt, who is Tom Cruise. And I wrote down in my notes. I said, do you think they were so pumped when they came up with the idea to have Tom Cruise not be Ethan Hunt in the beginning of the movie? I think it's the it, one of the best things about this movie because he has to play bad. He has to play like smug bad. 
and at the end, I'm not going to spoil, but like he has to do something else that in a lot of his movies he doesn't get to do all because the twist being in this movie, they got the rubber masks of the first movie done and out of the way. And now in this one, they have not only these CG amazing masks, but they have like vo- voice encoders to where like they can sound like them and look like them. But with Tom Cruise, I don't understand how his height is involved with a lot of these because poor guy, I don't know how he can uh, double for too many guys. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like they, like there's a scene where Doug Ray Scott puts on an Ethan Hunt mask and is like trying to fool Tandy Newton's character, Naya. And I'm like, he's a five inches taller than Tom Cruise. Like, don't you think she would notice that? Whatever. That's no. like thinking Tom Cruise too is far a superhero. No, he's not. He's not five seven. That's just. But I love, I wrote down, so the whole idea of having Tom Cruise not, like the first time you see him in this movie, he is not Ethan Hunt, but you don't know that. Like the audience thinks, oh, it's Ethan Hunt. Because all they have is the first movie, and it's the second movie, and of course you think, Ethan Hunt. So the fact that they're like pranking the audience too, I think is great. But I said I love when movies prey on preconceived notions. So like the whole, um, this is obviously not as drawn out, as the one I'm about to say, but like in Arrival, where they they prey on the fact that you believe that the story is being told linearly because that's how stories are told. And the whole twist of that movie is that it's not. And I love when they when they play into the expected, basically, of the audience. And I that's the first time I've ever really thought about it for as many times as I've seen this movie. Um, that was the first time I ever really thought about the fact that I was like, that's kind of a cool... It's a cool... It's a cool twist in and of itself anyways, but it's a cool twist to put it at the beginning and have the audience really sucked into that as well. I, I think that just means that, all right, we're off to a great start. This movie's looking fantastic. I know. We're only five put, minutes in, man. I put uh, Dimitri, comma, not a Tom Cruise name, so I don't like. I don't know when he doubled back in the Dimitri. day. Yeah, it's just like he was calling Dimitri. I was like, I, I don't know how good your... Uh, <laughs> your your double was to be called Dimitri but as he's sitting there every time this guy is talking to him they give you very good clues that this is not actually the hunt he says a, a term and they keep talking in the movie it's it's a you're sorry and I'm sorry and he uses it as kind of like a like this is like our little like code like our little like best right. friend chat <laughs> and just Tom Cruise just looks at him like cool and I'm just <laughs> yeah. like he's I don't know if he's getting it but then all of a sudden the big thing happens where they're you find out the pilots are also um, Agents. in on it, yeah. yeah, and then they They're bad guys. They basically gas the entire uh, cabin, put it on autopilot, and again, this poor Russian is just looking around like I, I don't know what's happening. He just like squeezes his suitcase of antidote a little harder, like that's gonna help <laughs> if this poor plane just goes down. He's just like, oh, I, I still have this. But then Tom, Tom Ethan Hunt Dimitri goes, "You keep calling me Dimitri. You really shouldn't." And then gives him a karate chop in the neck. And that's when I think, yeah, audience is just like, what is Tom Cruise doing? <laughs> and then I, you hear like that little fun fact of it being R-rated and turned down. There's multiple times when he is n- snapping necks that there is no audible sound of a snap oh, neck. And I, like, and so the music starts going. He karate chops this guy, grabs his neck and just like pushes up. To no audio, so it just sounds like he just made a big woof, but of course the guy's like leaning back in his chair, so yes. Right. And then he reveals himself to be um, Doug Ray Scott, I think I'm saying that right, who, because of this movie, 
had to uh, turn down his role as, as Wolverine in X-Men because this movie went on so long. I just kept writing, Doug Ray Scott, awful Wolverine. He would have been terrible. I am so glad this movie had problems. <laughs> like, if not for this movie, that, like, that we got Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. That should make this movie top of everyone's. Yeah, it's, it's it said, like, Russell Crowe told, um, oh, gosh, X-Men director, Brian Singer. Yep. Uh, you should do this other Aussie, because, you know, uh, Russell Crowe, Australian. Um, but Hugh Jackman, like, really wanted to do TV instead. So they're like, we're going to get this Doug Ray Scott guy. They gave him two-movie deal. But this movie kept having production problems that they were a month into shooting. Not just production. They were a month into shooting X-Men. And they were like, is he going to be available? We need it. Uh, we need the main X-Men in this X-Men movie. And they're like, we can't. We can't get out of it. So they're like, all right. So they they did like a dress rehearsal for Hugh Jackman. And they're like, all right, well, you got to start pumping weights. Uh, you start tomorrow, basically. It wasn't that short. But if you ever go back and look at his like muscular prowess between the movies, like you can tell that he started X-Men uh, not in the best of shape because I don't think he had time to do anything. That's crazy. I just think that's such a funny thing. And can you, I mean, like, you have to look back and think, like, Doug Ray Scott's going, my career would be completely different <laughs> if I just had not done this movie. Because, like, what else has Doug Ray Scott been in? So he he was in this, like, cooking movie with Catherine Zeta-Jones, and it was on TV, and I was like... Oh, no reservations? M M Mission Impossible villain. Like, what else has he been in? Yeah, I have no idea. Ambrose. Sean yeah. Ambrose. Sean Ambrose. A terrible, a terrible secret agent spy. I have no idea why he wanted to go rogue, but I just think that he was probably going to get let go because there's so many parts of this movie where he's just like... Every step he makes is just like the dumbest, like the dumbest things you could possibly do. And I'm like, don't they, tra don't they train don't you they train in spy you? school? Yeah, to like think ahead on some of these. How things? did you get into the IMF? Um, okay, so let's just walk through our notes, and then I feel like we'll know when we're around the same yeah. parts. Okay, so every time, so you talked about the beginning where they like the the Russian guy shoots himself up with the Chimera, and every time somebody gets like shoots themselves up with chimera in this i can't look because it is like it just looks like it would hurt so much that is a huge gun that has that thing loaded into it and i'm like how the crap is that going into it's just yeah, crazy it's a vial that after 20 hours will make you bleed out incessantly yeah and if i guess if you're in the middle of a, of a, a major city it goes airborne and then everyone's gonna get blood just sprouting out of them so after probably 20 the, yeah. the probably the gun getting shot into is the wor the least worst part of the whole process um the plane explosion at the beginning so we talked about the plane getting hijacked and all that stuff because the pilot was an agent um it's so clear that the plane explosion was supposed to lead into the lighting of the fuse because there's a huge explosion that takes over the whole screen and that is one of the trivia facts that that initially was supposed to lead into it but Tom Cruise didn't like that. So they came up with the cliff scene and it actually ends up being, I think a cooler intro into the lighting of the fuse, yes. but the cliff climbing scene always gives me so much anxiety. And I think people forget about this scene a lot. It's actually really impressive, but it's because it's at the beginning and there's no like mission attached to it. 
I think people forget about it a lot. I, yeah, I wrote in my notes, uh, suka, suka, nana. But then I think it's suka, suka, mama. And I went, wait, what? I've been jokingly quoting this ridiculous <laughs> song wrong this entire time. No, this scene is amazing because this is, I mean, obviously, you can have trivia, fun facts uh, without Tom Cruise sitting next to me and me asking for clarification. But this is like the reported inception of him not being a thrill seeker, but the idea of a director, insurance and production saying like, we're doing this awesome scene. We're going to hire someone to do it. And we're going to hire that guy to help you look believable in it so that when we do some extreme close-ups, we can have you there, but everything else is going to be this rock climbing specialist. And Tom Cruise just basically by the end of training was just like, nah, I'm going to do it. And it said that he actually lied to his production company. So he'd get the insurance. Cause at this point he still didn't have like the final say, even though he's right. a producer, he was still not the, the head honcho. Yeah. And what's what's funny is you have a director that had huge fear of heights, and apparently they fought and argued on set about this because they he wanted a stunt double, and Tom Cruise is like, no, I got this, but the director didn't even really want to film a lot of it because it's so scary. Because yeah, he like, said every time he did like something, he had the anxiety of, oh, my actor is going to die. Yeah. Because if I did it, right, I would die. Right. And uh, no, so I this scene is where, you know, we you just did Top Gun where, yeah, he did some like cockpit stuff and he flew, but like in but he's not, not flying. Yeah. And then now we just watched a featurette of Top Gun 2 where they're putting six IMAX cameras in the cockpit because he's like, no, it's no, made. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And even in the featurette, he looks like he's about to pass out. I know. It's crazy. My dad just turned 60 yesterday and that is only like a couple years older than this crazy guy that i love so much just going out and doing things that a sane like in shape mid-20s guy would be like i'm out that, yeah that looks i'm not insane. doing that yeah so like this i definitely started now he didn't do every part of the rock climb and he did have harnesses but it's awesome and it, it just starts in which another awesome fact about this movie the the subtle score of one han zimmer the second best composer in this series I'm a fan of Michael Giacchino who did three and four, but Hans Zimmer, we both love, love. and a lot of stuff. And when we f- rewatched this before Fallout a couple years ago, was it only last year? It was, it was last year. year. <laughs> we saw this last year together. I had no idea. I was like, is that Hans Zimmer? Hans. So, yeah, so every time they go into the Mission Apostle theme with that electric guitar, I'm just like, it's so 2000s. Dude, but it is the best theme is, song of the whole is. series. It sounds so good. That is like the one thing I will give to as the best of is like it has the best version of the theme song because you're just like, I could go hang from a cliff right now. I could do it because I'm, t- you know, like I'm Ethan Hunt. It's so 2000s like pop metal. Just oh. like, yes. Um. So it's funny. The song you were singing before is called Ico Ico. But it's also in Rain Man. It's in two yes. Tom Cruise movies, which I think is hilarious. I love that. And I think, so clearly the plane was supposed to be, because it ends up with an explosion on the screen. But the way the theme starts on this one, he gets the mission. Somebody comes and shoots the little canister down yes. into yes, the rock. He's, he's doing death-defying climbing on his vacation. Right, yeah. And gets to the top, and a helicopter shows up with a guy that's about to shoot a missile at him. <laughs> and the missile lands and 
Tom gives this little like <laughs> grin, and it opens up to these amazing 2000, 2000 sunglasses with little <laughs> speakers attached, pieces, little yeah. nodes attached to them. So, and that's his uh, his mission briefing, which has a retinal scan, which is so great because in two thousand, none of that technology was available. But I'm glad that they were forward thinking enough to put it in because in the first mission impossible, poor mid nineties tech. Like I, oh that's gosh. the greatest part. Well, is I wrote him. down. I said it's crazy how different the technology is from the first one to this years. one in only four yeah. years. That's crazy. Like it's like you would think if you went back and watched the one in ninety six, you're like, is this in the eighties? Because it's like floppy disks and like stuff like that. And in this one, I'm like, you're getting like retinal scans on your glasses. Yeah, like you're having memory cards from cameras that are <laughs> the size of my fist and i wrote 320 megs i every so, time so, we watch this that always makes so, me laugh so hard so yes it shows the dating of it but it's still cool the fact that yes it does it's make it so it, far it's such advanced. an odd job which is interesting because yeah by the in 96 i didn't have internet and i know by 2000 i did yeah i know in 2000 i had internet that if my mom got on the phone it cut off the internet <laughs> you you youngins <laughs> don't know how good you've you got don't it don't know how good you have it um i love but i think that's something that I love about the Christopher McQuarrie Mission Impossibles is that I think he realized how dated the technology becomes so quickly. And he makes his, he made like an active choice to make it timeless, like the mission briefs and everything like that. Whereas I think in the beginning it was like, we have to be as cool as possible, like the latest technology. And now it's like technology is moving so fast that you can't, it's impossible to keep up and nothing's going to be cooler than what's in your hand. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, for sure. And so especially like, like the year after the Matrix, it was always like, all right, we need some shades. We need some cool right. glasses, <laughs> cool sunglasses. Uh, and there's got to be times when there's leather jackets for no reason, but there's Literally, black, yeah. black, 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 and it's got to look cool. And there's got to be a lot of slow motion when you're doing it because that's that's the name of the game. We, The first time we watched this together, I was like, if you turned this into a drinking game where you had to take a shot every time there was a slow motion, you would be hammered 15 minutes into this movie. And I did keep count this time roughly. So I think this is because like you can't catch them all. Some of them are just back to back to back to back. You missed some while while tallying some. Yes. And I would. So let's see. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, oh 50 slow-mo shots, and I missed a few. Oh. Missed probably five to seven. That is a product of its time. 1,000%. And it's not even... um, It's... Some of it's good slow-mo. Like, The Matrix is good slow-mo, but they had the whole, like, 360 camera thing going for them. This, some of the shots, they clearly did not shoot at a high frame rate. Because it's not, it's got that like really terrible like motion blur on it, and you're like, if you're gonna do it, do it right, shoot it at a high frame rate. Yeah. And some of them, the shots look like they did do that, so I was like, I don't understand why. Well, definitely just... a lot of the the stunts. But yeah. So going back, I wrote this is cool. So every so he he gets his mission brief, he gets his five seconds, and he's critiquing what his boss just said in the mission brief. And I every time I'm sitting there, I'm like, you're at like two and a half seconds, bro. Why are you arguing with it? Just say it internally and throw away. But of course, at zero point zero zero, he throws it, and as it's exploding out of his hands, we go into the to the which opening is, credits, which is way cooler than the plane crashing. So I do think that that's a merit of changing that. And it's like if that had come out in IMAX 3D, that would have been the coolest. 
That would oh, have been a sure. pretty badass shot. And my my notes, this is the only credit scene to my knowledge. That doesn't have the, shots from the th- movie. There's no no spoilers of future yeah. shots because they're only showing the artwork of the Greek myth of chimera yeah. and and Bellerophore, whatever Bellerophore. Yeah, this is yeah Bellerophore is what I think it sounds like, and this is when I started realizing either I was watching shows like Game of Thrones or things with British accents or different accents. I watch so much stuff now on subtitles, so I can at least read what people are trying to say because. Oh, things yeah, like that. It's Every single person said that word differently in this movie. It's kind of like the rabbit's foot, though, in the third one, where it's like, it doesn't really matter. It's the <laughs> antidote. You don't really need to know what to call it. Um, okay, so after the, the title sequence, we open up in Spain. Which is already the third location that they've done gorgeous, like, wide-angle shots of. We already had opening of Sydney for the plane. Then you were in Utah for this, like, super, super, like, it's like a helicopter shot that they zoom in as they're getting to tom cruise climbing that's gorgeous and we're already in spain so like 10 minutes in we're already in three locations which already again i'm not trying to compare just this one to the first one but it's a lot of dudes in rooms it is a lot no it is (laughs) so it's just i'm telling you it's the complete opposite meeting was just like we need to go so the opposite direction. It was a complete yes. pendulum swing, one thousand percent. Yes, they did. Well, take, and I think they we were talking. Swings. We were taking, talking about that before. I think the first one is more. It's not totally. I've never seen the TV show, but I think it's more true to the oh, TV it is, 100%. show. And I think this was the first one that they were like that. Tom Cruise was like, "Now nah, I want to make it what I want to make it," and that's what you're seeing, like the complete opposite, like pendulum swing, um, is just like him kind of making Ethan Hunt his own character. Um, the flamenco scene is one of my favorite scenes of the whole franchise though. Really? Yeah. And it's just because I love flamenco dancing. I think it's beautiful. And I love that they use it to cover her steps. I do like that. Yeah. Like it's, they use kind of like this, there's a huge celebration going on of some festival where they're honoring the saints or something. Um, and there's this whole big flamenco dance and, he makes eyes with Tandy Newton's character, Naya, from across the flamenco Yeah, dancers. and I wrote so much slow-mo in Spain. <laughs> drink, drink, drink. Because drink, drink, in this drink. scene, yes, and again, this is one of those scenes where it's definitely got that motion blur in the slow-mo yeah. when the flamenco dancing is going on where I don't think you needed to show that for seven minutes. Oh, right, 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 like. yeah. But yes, this scene is awesome. So when she goes in, uh, to try she's trying to steal like a necklace um he's already there and they have this like obviously this very flirty like they're hiding in i think a bath is it it's a, a bathtub, bathtub yeah. yeah and she's still trying to get break the, into the yeah, safe break thing, into yeah. the safe so she says do you mind if i'm on top and i wrote like this also was the resurgence late 90s it was 90 i think it was 95 but also was goldeneye because of the Nintendo, GoldenEye was a big deal, 97, yeah. 98, 99. I was like, they are definitely trying to cater to all spy fans. Be- not only this, but it was honestly, it was another one of the trivia questions. There's a there's a car chase we'll get to. Yeah. That I was like, this looks just straight out GoldenEye. And in the in the in the notes, it was just like heavily inspired by GoldenEye. Right, yeah. And I was like, yeah, they are trying really They're hard like, to be it like... It worked for Bond. Yes, It'll work for yes. Ethan Hunt. There was no, no born yet. So it was just yeah. like, this was, you know, 
Bond has always been top, and they're just like, we want these. It we is, want all people to enjoy these. This movie is very Pierce Brosnan, James Bond. I've never thought that, but that is accurate. No, like, I never thought it either. And as I was watching, I was like, huh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, but that it's, is accurate. But that was kind of, that was popular gold, at the yes, time. And GoldenEye's main theme of the movie is you find out that the head honcho of the villain turns out to be a turned previous agent. And I'm just like, it's a big reveal. Yeah, a lot a, of, yeah. yeah, and I was like, this is the whole plot. But it is funny because now they've just released the No Time to Die trailer for Daniel Craig's mm-hmm. last Bond movie and clearly heavily inspired by Fallout. Yeah, it's it's all full circle. And I'm, it's all I'm full fine, circle. I'm fine with that. Oh, now because- 1,000%. But it's funny how that has come full circle in that regard of like, that used to be kind of like the marker, Bond, and now Ethan Hunt is like, and not Ethan Hunt, but really Tom Cruise, is setting the standard for what stunts should be nobody's ever going to measure up to him but yeah and poor daniel craig is never going to touch no daniel craig's like get me out of this franchise i cannot do that um at all um so the whole yeah the whole scene where she's stealing the necklace he basically it's this whole flirtatious thing whatever but he's basically checking to see if she has the skill set that they need he's been told which you don't find this out until later you just there's no information like you're like why is he like pretending to be this security guy and why is he looking at this girl and he ends up meeting with anthony hopkins who is the imf guy and he he's like you told me to basically like hunt her down because of her skill set as a thief when really we find out it's because she was the ex-girlfriend of doug ray scott's character sean ambrose um but so this the whole scene i'm like this is cool, but like, why is this happening? Like, there's a lot of which I think probably goes to them cutting an hour and a half of this movie out. Oh yeah, so of like, there's just a lot of assuming going on. Yeah, and and in that scene, he sets off the alarm. You find out afterwards, but he did it. No, even uh, she did her job well in right. stealing it, but he sets the, the alarm off anyway. And when the alarm goes off, we get triple. I mean, three in a row, back, back, back. Quick zoom in to extreme close-up of alarm blaring tandy newton's face and then tom cruise's face and i wanted to keep a running tally of which one actually ended up more the 50 or so slow-mo shots or how many times they quick zoom into a face because or something or, or an object or, or something some were slow-mo zoom in to yes. the face because i guess oh we're gonna gosh. have to watch it again it and is, tally those up i actually wrote down i said um where did i write this I said Mazda should have sponsored this movie. Zoom, zoom. <laughs> yes. Wow. That's great. They did. Yeah, they did have. Um, because there are a ton of those like fast zoom in shots of like so, the gas tank yeah. is yes, leaking. Yeah. Like or yeah, like eyes wide and it's something they're looking at. It just. Yeah. It's so 2000. I get it. It's just they 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 hired this director for a shtick and a shtick they got so that's yeah. fine i mean he hired john woo because he liked his style and he got john woo so that's basically it so he meets with anthony hopkins after like she kind of like oh, blows so they have, him off oh well, yeah She's they mad. blow him off and then they have this awesome car chase which is sponsored by motorola car phones which i'm sure at the <laughs> time they were like oh my gosh he has one he is probably like the first small cell phone it's one of those old motorolas yeah and she has a car phone i said it looked like a tv remote the Motorola car phone <laughs> looks like a and, giant TV remote. Oh, and this and this is yes. If you ever see Goldeneye, heavily inspired by it, they're yelling at each other through the dri- phones, yeah, even no, though no, they're well that. And then they drive. He drives up oh, right, next right, to her, right, yeah, yeah. and they're yelling at each other, but still yelling in like room tone. 
to where like if they're driving as fast as they should like they would never be able to hear i just made me think of um shazam shazam I know, exactly I was the same thing. Just, dude like, you're like a mile doing, away are yes, you talking to yes, me he's, he's just going through his monologue oh, and he's so just like I, I don't hear a thing yeah but yeah hilarious. so then so then of course she blows him off ironically comes out of where they were trying to steal in in spain and she yells for her she yells for her car and it just shows up and my thing is just like was someone in her car ready like that's not how ballet works <laughs> right. like you you have to they go and like, like request they would have had yes. like a 15 yes. minute conversation waiting yes. for her car yeah but then they try like she's like if you want me you gotta come and come and catch me and then so they have this race which is very much like the beginning of and this is where you understand like this is why tom cruise's hair is long in this movie it is oh. for the slow-mo shots yes for the we hit our cars hit and definitely separated, but obviously in production, we're going to make a rig where two cars are going to be spinning connected to each other. So it has to work <laughs> right. that way. But if you watch it, one car's definitely going the other way. Yeah. So it wouldn't have worked. But of course, she saves, she gets saved by him. She's dangling from the door over a canyon. Yes. And so then that means, of course, um, I now love you. I know she, he pulls her up onto his lap in the driver's seat and he's like she's like what is it you want to talk about and I wrote nothing let's have sex first yes and he (laughs) says basically like I have a lot more to say now and she's like basically like well we don't have to get all the way right now and then cut to next morning which is like great because that's the thing where like they didn't take a cue from Bond movies where it's just like, oh, no, no, no. We need, we need, Salacious, yes, yeah, like, we need, yeah. we need it steaming. Right. But it's still PG or PG 13. So we need to have it steaming up to a point. This is just like cut to what I wrote. A lot of, a lot of sexy chit chat, like after morning chit chat, but a lot real close to face with no teeth brushing. Like I, that is mm. not, and then they get into some kissing. It's like, that's not the time. Nope. Brush like, your teeth. Brush your teeth or like get that cup of coffee. Have this chat yeah. at, 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 the, at the dinner table or the breakfast in the kitchen, yeah. not in bed to where I'm like, there's no way. And of course, but you know, these are movies. His hair's not going to be that majestic. I know you're morning. like, his hair is so it's, perfectly it's coiffed. Just, it's coiffed. It's just, it's Tom Cruise. He has no this, bedhead whatsoever. So you, you guys, again, I've not seen it, but you had recently did a podcast with your cousin on Jerry Maguire and you kept saying, this is the most attractive I've ever seen Tom Cruise. Like he's so... Uh, Tom Cruise, like this is most Tom. I've not seen a lot of nineties movies. In fact, what's funny, after Jerry Maguire, he did no movies for three years. It's true because Eyes Wide Shut took so long, and then this movie took so long. But so you have this big gap. I've not seen many of those nineties Tom Cruise movies. This is with that hair. I'm just like this is the Cruise. This is like it's so funny because I don't find that attractive in like a man like the longer shaggy hair. Nah, but it doesn't like yeah. So get I get why it's like appealing, but for me, like I I almost he just rocks it very well. He does. Most men can't pull that off, and he does for sure. Um, I wrote in that because at this point he has not met. I skipped ahead. He has not met with Anthony Hopkins, and I'm like I wrote down. Does he even know why he's hunting her down before he sleeps with her? Like he really didn't. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? No, because the mission thing. It, it self-destructs <laughs> like he had one piece of intel he started complaining too early about the the fact that he was on vacation yes, no, he finds and i wrote he finds he finds anthony hopkins during a festival 
where there are so many smiles and joyful singing as a crucified Jesus statue is paraded down the, the road. And you find out from Anthony Hopkins, he makes a, a, a quip about it's just like they're celebrating all their saints by burning them. I almost got burnt on, on the way in. Yeah. And I'm just like, you were knighted. You were a sir. You're not a saint. Get you out were of here. a sir. Fun fact, it, they did try to give that role to Sir Ian McKellen first. I saw Another that. Another X-Men crossover. Yep. Well, I, did you see that if he would have done this, he would have missed out on Lord of the Rings and X-Men? I am so glad, yeah, because yeah, and Anthony Hopkins, it literally looked like he came in for two days. I know. Like, I'm like, what the heck? Uh, so Tom Cruise basically finds out, Ethan Hunt finds out in this meeting with Anthony Hopkins that the reason he was going after Nia was because she is the ex-girlfriend of Sean Ambrose, which is Doug Ray Scott's character, and he wants to use her to get access to Sean Ambrose so that they can find out what they know about the chimera and what all's going on and blah, 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 blah. And um, Ethan's like, she's not trained to do that. And Anthony Hopkins makes this, he has this line that, did you write it yes. down in its entirety? Yes. What, is it, what does he say? It's only the best line in all these movies. Oh my gosh. He says, so you think this mission's going to be difficult? It's, and Ethan Hunt goes, very difficult. <laughs> and uh because they don't even think they give anthony hopkins a name well he has okay. it's not said in the okay. movie but he IMF has a name yeah. yeah he says this is not mission difficult mr hunt this is mission impossible difficult should be a walk in the park for you it is a great it is, it's super cheese but yes that's a great that is the first time in any of the tv episodes or any of the movies that somebody actually utters the words mission impossible which i think is hilarious and also awesome but and also, it does bring to the fact that is a, a very weird title because, like, you know, would you would you like to come work with us at Impossible Mission Force? What's the likelihood we get things done? Slim to none. <laughs> well, my mom texted me during the, after the first the Mission Impossible episode, and she was like, "IMF stands for Impossible Mission Force." I never knew that, and she was like, "It's less cool now that I know what it stands for." Um, but also, like. Well, and the thing that most people don't realize is mission colon impossible. Because, like, you would say an impossible mission, not mission impossible. So it is weird if you think about it too much. Um, we talked about the digital camera already, but it is a giant brick with a very tiny screen, and it is hilarious. It's ginormous. Right before, right before we find out about this camera, um, I wrote that basically he is Tom Cruise is just wearing a black T-shirt in this entire movie. Yeah, a tight black t-shirt. Yes, and I said, I like black tea, Tom. It makes the Ben Stiller spoof even funnier. And have you seen the MTV? I have, okay, yes. so we, we won't and get into that. And it was on this yes. one, right? Yes, yeah. it, it, and it's on the special effects. We can talk about that afterwards, but it's when he's talking with Naya about having to do this. So yeah. he has to like explain this to her. And obviously she's like, do I even get a say in this? And you're like, there. Yeah. And he says, would, you ma would it make you feel better if I didn't want you to do this? She She's was like, like yeah. yes. And he's like, well, then feel better. <laughs> and I wrote that while cringy kind of feel better exclamation mark is still better. Greater than first movie. They're dead. They're, They're all, all dead. dead. <laughs> so at least Tom Cruise in his hysterical form has yeah. improved slightly. Well, they feel better. It's like the one time he raises his voice yep. in anger in this movie. It's so funny. Yeah. I'm telling you, the long hair <laughs> just keeps him chill through most of it, but even it's that true. didn't stop him from having to and make I his said, point. <clears throat> that whole conversation is like, and this is why you don't sleep with coworkers, dot, 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 clearly, because now it's, she goes, it felt, it feels pretty personal and physical. And yeah. I'm like, oh God. And I spent the whole movie trying to think, 
I'm sure it's a plot in a Bond movie, but it's so basic, the idea of, like, you have fallen for woman. You now, for a mission, need woman to... It's a get, plot yeah. of a Hitchcock movie. Okay. And Notorious. Sure okay. It's the name. I looked at... Okay. I That was one of the trivia facts that I read was, like, it is literally, like, the plot of Notorious, the movie by Hitchcock. And, sure and so something many, else. There's yeah, another... So many yeah. other. It just seems like I've seen so many. Like, down to the, like, infecting her with the disease and everything. Like, that's how similar yeah. it is. So then after that, there's a montage of him... Because... Because in his mission brief, he's allowed to have two team members right. from IMF, but one has to be the civilian who is Naya. So it's a montage of like the camera, like watching selecting a computer his, yeah. selecting people. And I, I wrote uh, so they got a local because most of this movie takes place in Australia. I wrote that they. I'm glad they got a Steve Irwin in on the mission. R.I.P. But also hashtag. Australian Benji because Benji has Basically, become yeah. such the comic relief of this series. Yeah, that, Billy Baird is definitely. Yes, Billy is the Australian. Yeah. He's just, he's goofy. He almost, ironically, he sounds a lot and acts a lot like you've not seen. One of the, one of the saddest parts of our friendship is the fact that <laughs> whenever I bring up Lord of the Rings, she has to just answer with like, eh. but one of <laughs> the, seen them, yeah, one yeah. of the hobbits is Billy Boyd and Billy Boyd, is ironically a lot like Billy Baird. I don't know why, but like they're just funny. so goofy. And then I wrote Ving Rames, who's the one who's in all of them. Luther. I, this is terrible, and I don't really mean it in a, a mean format, but he's a lot like Job of the Hut in that like he's he he's a lot more he he moves a lot more earlier on, and as the movies progress, he's just sitting around a lot more. And in this one, he's he's got a lot he has to walk a camera up to tom cruise at a horse race oh, and yeah. walk back to the van and he is sweating by yeah. the time he he's gets like, back <sighs> and then he's and then he's sitting the rest of the time yeah which is so funny because in like fallout like it, he's either kneeling sitting yeah and he gets paid so much to just be like he is the guy in the chair is ving rames even in any other movies i don't know he, he looked just... a lot like mike i saw very mike tyson-esque with this mustache in this movie too because yeah. he's he's all about his he's he gets to Australia and he's pissed because he st- steps in like kangaroo dung in his new Gucci shoes. And I'm like, why are you wearing Gucci shoes? I know. He's in never the Outback. He's never appropriately dressed. No, no, no. And I thought about this. And it's again, I'm not trying to make fun of his weight, but I thought I was like, I bet he thought they were meeting at an Outback. <laughs> and maybe he just likes dressing nice for that blooming onion. He's like, it's going to be a nice dinner. Yep, I should gonna, put on the yeah. nice and outfit. And he's like, why are there kangaroos? He was like, I didn't think about it. I know. I didn't realize he'd be in a helicopter descending upon this desert out here. Um, there was a part in that montage that the score really reminded me of Alias. Is oh. It came out around the same, you know, Alias came out in 2001. So it was about the same time. But I felt like everybody was using the same like types of instruments for their score even though Michael Giacchino ended up scoring three and four and he did alias um, and he did not do this one, but it was very, very similar. It reminded me of that Um, of all the slow-mo shots. So they arrive in Australia, Naya, they have to basically like, she was like, if I just show up, he's going to know something's up. So they fake this. She's in prison. She got caught for some heist she was doing. And so she's being transported via boat to this house and she steps off onto the pier and it's the best slow-mo shot of the whole movie because it is the most pointless slow-mo shot of the whole thing. And it goes on forever. It's forever long. It's her walking towards Doug Ray Scott's character. And then as she approaches, 
the wind catches her scarf and it flies off of her neck and he stops it. He catches it midair and it's like... That's, that's what you do when you want to be a woman's knight in shining armor. Save her is, scarf? Is save her scarf. Yeah, every woman is like... With the smuggest look yeah. on your face. Like, I got you out of prison and also parlor tricks. That's right. And it's the most pointless shot, but also it is hilarious. Yeah. Um, what ahead. does he say? This is another... I actually said... Um, so after, you know, they they find Naya on the tracking device. She's had a tracking thing, which also was hard to watch because it's something shooting into your skin. Um, Not in the skin. Like below below the ankle oh bone. Gosh, like, oh, that's got to be tender. Oh, it can't feel great. Um, so they finally find her. Like, Luther's looking her up on this computer, which is very 2000s. And... Um, <laughs> and a terrible backup because it's the only computer that can find the her. only computer in the world. But Ethan Hunt has this great line. He says, we just rolled up a snowball and tossed it into hell. And I was like, it's so cheesy. But the way Tom Cruise delivers it, you're like, why is that the best line of the whole movie? Because it's like, it should not come off the way that it does. And you're like, that is such a badass line. And it's so accurate. They did just roll up a snowball and toss it into hell. Yeah. And then the one, like one, like the main henchman, the second in command to Ambrose, um, I would think is just being a solid bro, just a good friend. All he says to him as he's like giving her shifty, I like, hmm, we just tried to, we blew up a plane and in the week's time, she just happens to be in jail and happens to... Need you. Yes. He only says, do you trust her? As he's about to light a cigar... And Sean Ambrose, and again, in spy school, I think they would help you like handle your temper or composure. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> takes off this poor dude's pinky just because he asks him, do you trust her? And he's like, yeah, what? Do you not think I've thought about this? And he's just like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the shot definitely, I think, should pull away. But you watch Blade go in skin and I'm, i don't know if it's just like a prosthetic finger but oh never has losing the tip of your finger oh. looked so painful it looks terrible and the scene before that they're really setting up how he's such a creep so like he bought her clothes that and he was like I, i'm gonna see if i can remember the size that you were six months ago which like uh, you don't change that much but like he's literally watching her undress and it is the creepiest like they don't even mouth have, open like it's, they don't even have her in the shot it's just no. him reacting to it no no she's in the shot and you can tell she's like undressing because she like bends down yeah and of course that just means like he has something to stare at and then just like grabs her Ugh, it's and then so she's gross. like oh you weren't really that interested so you like what like and he's like later yeah it's so cringy and then it goes to the finger scene and that is yeah. Oh, but right before that, he's using the world's most gigantic magnifying glass to look at pieces <laughs> of paper. <laughs> to look at, which basically is a is it's a picture. Right. And of, he, I mean, it's a very tiny yes. thing he has to see, so it's needed. It's a, it's a picture of like the like a picture of a map of like the whole Earth with thirty-seven million pounds, basically showing that this is the ransom amount for this antidote that he has in his possession. But right? it is. It is the it's comically large the magnifying glass oh, that he is holding. It is bigger than his head. Um, oh, and they cut back to Ethan and Luther and Billy 
And this is the first sighting of the Ethan Hunt cargo pants in this movie. He wears a lot of cargo pants, See, which I, is very 2000s. I've now I've listened to all your podcasts that have come out because it makes me so happy that you've done this. You po- you point out so much stuff to do with costume and wardrobe that I would never look for. Yeah, well, I we all have school, our things. Yeah, I I do editing. <laughs> I'm looking at like why did the this sentence come out of a guy's mouth that even though it's an over the shoulder oh, shot i hate the, i do the, the same lips aren't thing. moving or the lips are keep moving when there's no doubt like that's what my eyes see but you're like tom cruise he's wearing cargo, cargo pants, pants. i'm like i did not uh, notice i feel that like i pick all. up on smaller things like that with movies that i've seen oh, before but oh not even that yeah. we saw la la land once and you're like oh she just changes wardrobe midway through this one shot and i've watched it now three times and i'm like i don't notice it it's oh it's the worst it's the worst adr and it's the worst worst cover-up editing of all time and it was like nominated for anyways it's a botched scene that clearly they just messed up but whatever. I do notice stuff like that. Um, so I got to jump my game up. I know, dude. Uh, so the next scene, basically, they're going to a horse racing track um, to meet with John McCloy, who is the president of Biosite Chemical yeah. or something. He's high up in Biosite Chemical. Um, and so Naya's going with Sean Ambrose, and she's basically just like trying to gather more information. She ends up, or he ends up going to meet with John McCloy, and in that time frame, Ethan Hunt gets her an earpiece, which I died laughing because the guy, Billy, op- gives her a program, and inside, um, there's a giant piece of paper underneath the earpiece that says, put this in your ear, and I'm like, it's preposterous size for the piece of paper. Like, it could not have been cut down any smaller. <laughs> like, there's so much white space around the sentence. And we get the fact that she's a civilian in this mission. Right. But she's, she's not an idiot. Thief. Yeah. There's only a couple of places you can put that. <laughs> she's like six in her yeah, nose. Like, it's, well, we should have clarified. Yeah, yes, like, there's no clarification needed. <laughs> it is an earpiece. Like, clearly an earpiece. I was like dying laughing. But then, so while, so Ethan's talking to her while uh, Jean is meeting with John McCloy. And in that time frame, they have a camera on John McCloy. And Luther's trying to figure out who it is. So he's scanning in their computer system. But up in the top bar of the software, it says IMF scan and compare. <laughs> and I was like, surely that can't actually be the name of the program that's running this. Like, it's so, like, on the nose. Yeah. So um, we, we don't know him. We have no idea what his name was. Right. And I think Ving Rames calls him a big guy, like a redheaded big guy. Yeah. And I'm like, Ving Rames. I mean, come Whoa. on. Pot, Pot kettle. kettle. <laughs> exactly (laughs) oh my gosh but yeah so he so they find out that biocyte is involved and then he gets sean gets a a memory card and an envelope in the breast pocket of his jacket she steals it because she's a thief yes because there needs to be said because it's a it's a plot point and it is helping the plot along the way it is in his left left jacket pocket. pocket are you sure left jacket pocket Naya, did you? It's in his left jacket pocket, and you're like, "All right, he looks. You got it." He looks so proud when she says "left jacket pocket," be- oh. Joel, just because she heard it right. <laughs> and I wrote this down. They are having an entire conversation in viewing distance through binoculars. Like, yeah, they know. Like, she uses binoculars to find where on the track he is. Yeah, and then he puts out binoculars that you can tell are like a little spy thrifty binoculars yeah. that are not. <laughs> 
<laughs> not just the casual person's going to have. And then they keep talking as they're just looking at each other through like And then towards the end he starts looking for other people but it's just like, you know where she's at? Yeah, like just look at her. This is why they made FaceTime basically. It's just yeah. like too many people at, at tracks. Oh on my the, gosh, that's so funny. Horse races are just binocularizing each other. Binocularizing. I made that up. That's it's amazing. Fine. Um so Tom Cruise is like, you got to get the thing and you got to meet me by the betting station or whatever. And so she does. And that's a whole big intense scene that... Where Ving Rhames has to get out of a van and, yes, and, tra- and travel some with this camera. <laughs> this, this is Ving giant digital camera. moment yes. to shine. <laughs> gets it. Gets it while they're having like a very like heated chat and he just has to go... <clears throat> <laughs> you're just like i'm yes, here i, I am present his presence yes. yeah um so they put the memory card in he's transmitting it back to luther in the van it's a like cg version of like chimera basically taking over the cells inside the body and destroying them and blah blah, blah. so then they figure out the plan and he's like you got to get out of that house you got to get away from sean and he says if you don't get out i'm coming in for you um she his little henchman comes up on them Ethan disappears because he's a good spy and she follow, she goes back to to Sean and she puts the envelope in his right jacket pocket not his left and this is where you find out that Naya is only a civilian yeah. <laughs> a, re- a true spy would never do that oh. so you think she's gotten away with it and then they cut back to the house later and he tells his henchman to get the thing out of his jacket. And he says to the guy, it's in his right jacket pocket. So he knows something's up, which is kind of a cool way to reveal that. Yes, but that's how you know if you're an acclaimed screenwriter. And the screenwriter for Mission Impossible 2 is when you have to like say it 19 times. Oh, yeah. To get like... Left, the, yes, the left. Did you hear? Yes, left jacket Trust pocket. me, the audience <laughs> they is got it. here. We got it. They got it. Which is funny. So this is actually, again, we could say collectively, Christopher McQuarrie's movies are like our favorites. Like right. if, yeah, if, yeah, In yeah. terms of like yeah, a director's no, by where I, yeah. I think Brad Bird's Chris Protocol is, is really high for the stunt work. Right. Plot-wise, that movie, it's okay. But like what he does, but he's said multiple, multiple times, he puts the action scenes in his mind first and then writes the story around them yeah john woo did that here did not do as good a it job. did not work as well john woo was for like john woo. i want to do this yeah we need to well that makes no sense i i really do want to see what three and a half hours like how many other know, places they did they go release a director's cut for sure oh. um so after they reveal that ambrose knows she's trying to get it's nighttime now and she's trying to get out of the house and i she's trying to leave and she's running around the house in the grounds, sneaking around as if she's not supposed to be there, which just makes you look suspicious. <laughs> like, I'm like, you're allowed to be there. If you were just walking normally, that would be less suspicious than you looking like you're trying to sneak out. Like, it's crazy. And then I wrote this. Ambrose hedges a lofty bet that it's Ethan Hunt behind all of this, because how does he not know it's, it's not another IMF agent? He doesn't know it's Ethan Hunt. And because at what point he's not seen Ethan yet. So how does he know it's Ethan? So he hedges a lofty bet that it's Ethan Hunt. And um, he because the last time he even talked or knew of Ethan, he had to double him because they couldn't find him. Yeah, my my thought process is that 
who's going to be the one looking for me? The person I doubled and then bad things happened. And right. The, you know, so Which I, is I, why that's his first instinct. But you're you're hedging a bet that it's not somebody else. Like you don't know for sure that that's. And also, though, if if he did that disguise and she was just like, ah, yeah, who yeah. are you? <laughs> then he'd just yeah. be like, oh, and just run away and then it'd be fine. <laughs> but she goes, Ethan, thank God. And then yeah. he's just like, all right, well, obviously. Right. But it's, he's yes. assuming that it's But Ethan. again, the same type of thing. You're doubling, but you don't know all the information. So he's like. I need you to stay here. And she's like, you just told me the opposite. Don't you then think? Yeah. That's why, again, having civilian, you should at least be like, listen, a lot of us wear masks right. sometimes. P.S. It might not yes, always be me. Yes. <laughs> yes. It might be. And then someone you might see, that's not them. Yeah. You might be in a room full of a bunch of people that have masks off. Yeah. Me and in junior high when this came out we we thought the idea would be so funny to where like the entire movie was just like people just ripping continually like there's like six masks on the suspense just kidding i'm this person and then i'm this person and that's hilarious so this is when i think it's okay of the fact that like you are doubling for ethan you don't know what ethan is going to wear he's in all black with like a, a beanie cap right and then he can be along his way. So if you think about it, for someone who's five inches taller than Tom Cruise, you can wear your own clothes but just put on a Tom Cruise mask. But there's a scene coming up where he fights a guy, yeah. and the big twist is he comes back around. They're clearly not the same height. Did he have to put on all his clothes and like? It's, yeah, it's a two-minute. Yeah, they, span they of completely time. change That's, outfits. Dri- and... That part of stuff like drives me nuts. Yeah. And I think like, but to me, it's like, I guess it it makes sense because so Sean basically puts on an Ethan mask and he's outside. So when Naya comes running out to escape, she runs into Ethan. Yes. And Ethan says, I need you to stay here. And he's basically testing the waters to figure out if she's working with Ethan or not. And she, he basically gets his answer. And my most intriguing part of the whole movie happens in this scene. And I wrote Ambrose in Ethan mask pulls away from Naya as she tries to kiss him. Because my thing is, how do lips work with these masks? You know what I'm saying? Cause <laughs> I've never thought about that's, that. That's the only reason why he has to do that because you start kissing a mat. Like, is it going to morph? Like, Yeah. Ooh, I've never thought about that. And then you start thinking and realizing these masks don't in reality make sense at all because no. do they go like how far into the lip? Like yeah. the same teeth? Oh, yeah. Well, and it's like you don't have the same facial structure. So yes. how is that even like... Yeah, it doesn't really make... You can't think too hard did, about it. <laughs> did did Doug Ray Scott have to, like, move his teeth frame because of Tom Cruise's thing where, like, they're, it's, like, off-center right. of his body? It's crazy. And I think, like, yeah, like, none of it makes sense. Like, none of that truthfully makes any sense. But again, it, it's, it's a great addition in this movie that made everyone in 2000 go, this is just so much better i know well and i think like well there are masks in the first one but they don't use oh, them no. heavily it's but all, there is a big twist but it, it's mask. all it's all um an art direct it's all makeup right, right, right. Where, like, it's not this, like a cg yeah and, and it still holds up every yeah, time really I'm, like, I'm like where, i'm like looking for the cut yeah and i it's so it's fantastic it's i well fantastic. i think because to your point with the lips and the masks at the end when the guy and he um is clearly like grunting, but the lips aren't moving because he's duct taped underneath the mask. But I'm like, so are the lips just like, like yeah. are they wouldn't, like closed on the? Yes, if it's a mask, wouldn't they flop around because right. they're not? They're not <laughs> not being utilized because there's duct tape over his mouth. Like material that's 
flipping under your lips to like contain. Ugh, how uncomfortable yes. are those to wear? <laughs> you sh- your brain is not supposed to go that far into these right. movies. But yes, that is the thing. It's like, like if you run too quick, like if it goes off an earlobe, it's like the ear like flipping a little bit. Like, um, oh my gosh. But yes, but as, and it's again, very convoluted plot because as this is going on, the big red, the big redheaded guy who we don't know who he is, has gets, been kidnapped. Gets kidnapped, and then the Russian guy who's dead is now interrogating him in what looks to be it's a hospital bed, but like it looks a medical like medical facility. Yes, he's, yeah. it's like a very. He's very, but he's it's just he looks isolated, very, yes, yeah. very isolated. It's by himself, and he and this is where a lot of exposition happens, where we understand what's happening. Like we don't know. Up until this point, and we're like over an hour into the movie. Yeah. That it's a strain of influenza right. that they made a giant strain of influenza so it they could create an antidote to heal right. all influenza. Which just made me think of um is it Rogue Nation where Alec Baldwin says he's both arsonist and fireman? Which is a I great so. line. Yeah. But that's basically what they're doing. They want to set the fire and then yeah. save everybody from the fire by charging them for it. And as I'll get on my soapbox, and, and the pharmaceutical companies do this all the time. Oh my as, gosh, you know, we're getting into politics. I'm not, I'm just <laughs> but yes, uh, the fact that like yes, every every medicine you use has like a side effect. That coincidentally, that company also has medicine to help that as well. And you're just like, oh okay. It's like the rumor but that that's the thing. Actually, and, makes and then this man, capped. he he's in his bed, and they're basically <laughs> the Russian who I don't know. Gradsky's his partner. Gradsky killed like died with Chimera and they keep saying like your temp your body heat and your your uh, blood pressure and all that is what how Gradsky's looked before he died and they show the pictures of like what this guy looked oh, like yeah, at, it was bad uh, and this is where you find blood out everywhere. blood everywhere eventually um and that was on the the memory card so he's basically lying to McCloy that he has the he has the virus in him Right. They're basically threatening him all to get basically information out of him because then you, as the audience, know that this has to be someone in a mask because this is the mask movie. Right. Uh, because it's a man who's dead. already dead. Yeah. And even the guy, again, the guy in the, John McCloy in the hospital bed knows he's dead. I guess like you can only do this so many times for the world. It's just like, you know, there's a spy organization. They just keep using masks <laughs> because like, because no one uses logic when they see people. They're just like, Am, like, am I dreaming? Yeah. Am, is this guy awake yeah, from the dead? Yeah, why is the first thought not... He's wearing a mask. But I love the fact that this owner of a pharmaceutical company is just like, yes, that's all I did. I made right. I made an antidote, but I needed something, so I made a super virus because I, John C. McCloy, am in the business of making money. And you're just that's like, a great line. Well, like, at duh. least you're being honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the... You find out all that was, was they needed audio recording of him saying his own name to get into a building and like how would you know that he how would, would you know that, he would say, say it his that own way name? yeah it's so crazy so then they get that they break into the building and tom cruise is like i'm just gonna destroy chimera that's my plan i'm just gonna destroy it and uh of course it's a great scene because doug ray scott's character sean ambrose is just like this is what ethan's gonna do <laughs> like he basically just like calls him on his bluff and, and he's this like is, this is very golden eye because like or um, even gosh, even S- Skyfall, because Skyfall was an old, um, 
an older agent as well. I don't think he was also part of. Oh my gosh, MI6. There's so many. All these, all these Did acronyms. Did you catch in the fifth episode? Yes, I said yes, MI6 yes. like three times. And I was like, wait a second. No. But they, they're obviously being like, I was trained like him, so I know what he's going to do. So it's a right. montage of him being like planning. Calling his every yes. move, yeah. Which so is, Tom Cruise do, doesn't like confrontations. He's not going to shoot people up. He's not going to kill people. So he's he tries got, he's to go. He's got a Batman code. Yeah, he's stealth. So he goes in through the top, which is a great scene where the things won't open for him to fly into the building and. Luther's trying to figure it out and Billy's piloting the helicopter and there's slow-mo shots of the coil, like the cable unraveling from the coil, which is like, why is that in slow motion? Um, of course, he makes it through at the last second, gets all the way down to the bottom. And I love the callback to the first movie where he's dangling inches above the floor, you know, on his cable that he's launched into. And basically he gets into the lab. And at that point, he and Luther have to cut off communications. And so he's in there destroying the Chimera. And that's when he figures out that this, the Russian scientist guy shot himself with the Chimera. That's where he kind of puts all the pieces together. And as this is happening, Ambrose and his team of baddies plus Naya are coming up to the lab as well. But they're coming from the bottom. So they've shot everybody and they're coming up. And Luther can see that Naya's in the building because her tracking device, but he can't get a hold of Ethan. Yes, because in order to break in, they had to do it when generators were going on. Right. So they had an eight-minute window where they couldn't speak to him. Right. Very yeah. convenient for plot points. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, and a lot of this was, uh, like, a lot of the jumping in this scene because not only that, but um, how he escapes. Uh, these are the reasons why I fell in love with Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible movies because the Mission Impossible 2 DVD, which was like the third DVD I ever bought, um, had a bunch of behind-the-scenes featurettes on like how they did these things. And basically, the helicopter's in like a green screen room, but he's like doing all the jumps himself. And I'm just like, this guy's awesome. Yeah. This guy's great. He... Like, and I, I definitely was in the midst of my awkward phase at this point. So like chubby little chase was just like, I can do this too. One day I will be a stuntman and I will do twirls like Darth Maul and jump out of buildings (laughs) like Ethan Hunt. I was so like, which is funny because like, it's not, I'm not trying to toot my horn, but like I watched these things and wanted to like be in movies. I went to college, like be in movies and I've actually had the opportunity to be on big movie sets. Yeah. Not as stuntman. Cool movie sets. Yeah. But, but it's at least given me eye opening things. Just like, if I knew the right people, like I could do this stuff. I knew, and this is like, I worked on walking dead for a couple months and was good. became good friends with the stunt coordinator's daughter. And I was like, I might get an actual shot at this. I could do this. But then like a month and a half later, if you've heard the news, like a stuntman missed his mark and died, and there's been lawsuits for like the past two years, and then you realize like not everyone's as good at it as Tom Cruise, who even in this last one Got destroyed hurt. his ankle. Yeah. So maybe stunt work is fun to like watch and like, oh, that's cool to do. That'd be fun to do. But I like my limbs. If I could guarantee yes. that I wasn't gonna get hurt. Yeah. So they and I agree. I think like that. There was cool stunt stuff on this movie that for sure I think would be like a huge deal. So Naya, they come in. He sends Naya over to pick up. There's one last gun of Chimera that's left. One last vial inside this gun. And it's hanging between Ethan and Sean. As they're having the greatest <laughs> What's like the line? dialogue. Oh, so... <laughs> 
So he's basically like calling him a terrible agent because he's like, you didn't know what this disease was. Yeah, you killed off the guy Because you before... killed the guy who had it injected in himself. Like you didn't even know where so it was. you didn't know yeah. what you had. And that's why you're in this mess right now. And he's just like, and there's a scene where he goes, well, I knew what it was. Like, it just, his face is just like super pouty looking. He's like, always he's like, like a toddler on the verge of oh, tears. So like, great. And he, he's, he's like, Tom Cruise is doing that whole thing where he's like asking rhetorical questions he already knows the answer to. In the midst of a gunfight, even though, so they stopped shooting. He's like, stop, Because stop, stop. <laughs> they're shooting really close to that gun vial, which yeah. of course, if it explodes, then it's all airborne. So this is when they have their little chat. And he's like, so what are you even getting for in this uh, this little ransom deal you got? And he's just like, oh, you know, how much do you like? They're just it's such dumb dialogue. But then, what did he say? He's, he's like, says, oh, thirty-seven million pounds. I don't, I don't know if I could do any better. He's and like, you gonna make me a better offer? Yeah, and he's yeah, like, thirty-seven okay. million pounds. He's like, I don't think and I can. In his, in his like what, Scottish accent, I yeah, don't, it's yes. Scottish, yeah. I actually wrote yeah. down, I was like, I love the Scottish yes. accent because it's not a typical villain yes. accent. Oh, but it's such, it's, it's my favorite line in the movie because I'm that weird person that like can quote a movie back because I watch him so many times. But he just goes, after Tom Cruise tells him his plan, how much his plan is going to make him, he goes, someone's been slipping you our mail. <laughs> Come out here, you bad girl. And you're just like, wow. It's <laughs> such terrible This diabolical villain. Has oh, got great. The least scary yes. of any villain ever. And then, which immediately is like, and then you have in three Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's like the best villain of the, like, the whole franchise. But oh. um, so he sends Naya over. She basically realizes like there's really only one option and she shoots herself up with the vial of Chimera in which Tom Cruise is like, why did you do that? And like, then she's like, shoot me now. It's your only shot. And he like, he does point the gun at her. No, he, but he's mad. He's and not happy he, about yeah. it. Then he, holsters his weapon and he's like oh, i'm gonna come find yeah but it, he says ironically, stay alive ironically ironically the second she injects herself <laughs> he had a 20 hour stopwatch know, timer already, ready to I go know, yeah. so then he's just like i must start this <laughs> i know hmm and then he's and just as like, yeah, he's parachuting he's like, yes, out of yes, the building he's i will like, find you just as stay he, alive as he he's jumps yelling. out the window which again what i thought was so great because on the set was just him jumping into a bunch of cardboard boxes over and over. And I was like, that just sounds like so much fun. Let's do you it. You get paid. You get to paid to just do that. And that's the part of the thing where like maybe, and it's gotten a lot better with all these like Marvel movies and where these things were like, you have to have these like big name stars in scenes where you have to see their faces a lot. They do a lot of these types of stunts now. Yeah. But like back in the days, like why wouldn't and I understand it's insurance, but why wouldn't you want to just jump basically onto a big foam pit. Yeah, a yeah. big foam pit. Like I do that with my nephew at right. like trampoline parks where there's just like big foam like, pits. I do it for like, free. Yeah. I'd love to get paid to do that. Yeah. I literally in this scene too, I was like, the longer hair feels like it would be bad for this line of work. Wouldn't it get in your eyes at inopportune times? <laughs> like I feel like I was like, at any moment it would just be in his face and he wouldn't be able to see what was going on. Um Oh, when he was in the science lab and he approaches the computer where the Chimera stuff is, I was like, how do they always magically know what to type into these computers? I'm like, it's literally a science lab. Like, how would you just know? Oh, like, yeah. it just, like, types everything. It was like... Beep, a spy like, knows how to do everything. I just always like, laugh because I'm like, it has to be, like, more... Yeah, so it's like, like it an incubated... It's there. like an incub... So there's an incubation room where he has to, like, destroy Petri dishes of it. 
So how does he know how to turn all that on? Right, yeah. Then he goes into a room where like, yes, the only thing that a normal person would grasp is that there are those like foam, like rubber inserts of where your hands would be. It basically looks like gloves stuck yeah, into yeah, yeah. an isolated right. box where obviously all this horrible stuff is. Right. And then there's guns and what looks like ammunition cartridges. And so... He just happens to know that you have to shoot it into that. And it destroys it. And it destroys it. Yeah. Because, you know, whatever. Nope. I just wrote, Sean Ambrose is a terrible agent in this scene. And then in all caps, this is Goldeneye. Like, <laughs> like it, is, <laughs> it is like huge. Yeah, 14 font. So then we go into the last, basically, scene of the movie, which is where Tom Cruise is having to raid their... So now they have Naya, which means they have a blood sample, which has the chimera in it, and they're going to sell it. Yes. For the 37 million pounds and, you know, blah, 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 all this jazz that the evil villains always do. They have an underground lair that's in this concrete, like, dungeon thing. Yeah. So, so they were already in Australia and they're still in Australia, but it's the next day because it was nighttime. Right. So we don't know how much time's left on her 20 hours, but. It's not a lot. Yes. And, and the deal has now changed to now it's all about, I wrote it down. Third act equals action that made this series the way it is. But oh wait, we need to speak about stock options and blackmail first because yeah, it a whole is big thing. oh a terrible, terrible exposition heavy thing of like how he's going to overtake this. The company is what Biosign or Bio Biosite. You know, cool. Like, yeah. yeah, it's just like yeah, nothing. Nothing's cool as the yeah. Now they're basically having to sell it back to Biosite, even though they're the ones who created it, but they don't have it anymore. So now Sean's like, yeah, you can buy it from me. But the, but the idea of her being basically sent out into downtown Sydney to, to, to when she dies, it's dies like, there's it's three million airborne. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, so Tom Cruise kind of arrives on the site while all this is going down. And I was like, Tom Cruise is literally wearing Kim Possible's outfit, green cargo <laughs> pants, black top, gun holsters. You know what? I, I did notice the cargo pants in this because I just don't think of them as cargo pants. Yeah, I because was, they're army green, like the... I, I, I was the guy that had to be told that cargo shorts was not that appealing I'm, for so long. It wasn't wrong in the year 2000. I get it, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the kind of guy that like has the same wardrobe for life because it's like, oh, this is comfortable. I have a lot of things. I like this. These yeah. are extra pockets. Like, yeah. how cool is Why that? Why would you not want that? Oh, apparently it's not cool anymore, so. It's not. I, I love, and then Billy from the helicopter is like, oh, it looks risky. Like, it, how does it look to you? And Or he says, oh, the security looks tight. How does it look to you? And Tom Cruise literally looks up, and there's one guy walking, and he's like, looks risky. And I'm like, from the one guy I can see. He's in a my, realist. In my one guy view. can take you down always. So I know, I, I'm I glad like, that he at least is. I just, but like, it just then don't cut to the one shot of him looking at the guy. Like, just have him say the line. Like, it was so crazy. Um, I loved the callback in the scene. So when they're doing all the exposition and all that stuff, they show the chimera and the bellariform, malariform, whatever the antidote is. Um, and they show the red and green right next to each other. And I was like, ooh, love the callback to the first one. Red light, green light. Um, and I don't think that makes it past those two movies. I think that's a one and two kind of thing, the whole red and green, um, idea. Um, and so, but I was like, I do love that. Um, and then he's basically like making his way through the caverns of this like underground cave. And I love the whole time he's beating people up. 
um he's just talking to luther through his headset and he's not even looking at the people he's beating up it's great it's like so easy for him he's like oh he's like talking to him he's like bam elbows the guy he's not even looking at him i'm like this is so great it was great that's a great action scene yes and then this is where the wire foo comes in because he he comes up on the top after you know climbing up the ledge and he does the whole thing it's risky that one guard he finishes off by doing a front flip tuck into kicking him in the stomach which again there's no need to do all the extra flair, yeah. but I'm so happy he's doing it. Well, it's what makes this movie. Yes. Yeah. And then he's running in this lair, running through pigeons pigeons in slow motion. Which is a John Wood And staple. then on a dime stops and does a full backflip, <laughs> kicks a guy in the neck, and then lands on his feet. Where if you're running that fast, and this is Tom Cruise running, right? we know how fast he can be running. He's fast. If you try to do that, in normal physics, you would have just like fallen into him because yeah. there's no way you can stop. Your, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, and maybe change direction. Maybe that a fast. front flip, but not right. just stop on a dime and then change your direction. One thousand percent. This is where I think the biggest plot hole of the whole movie comes into play, and it was probably explained in the hour and a half oh, that got I'm, I'm that curious. got chopped, but. His whole, the big play at the end is that the henchman guy that got his pinky cut off, the tip tip of his pinky cut off, he gets sent out of the room to hunt down Ethan. And we don't, he beats him up. We don't really see what happens. And then he radios over to Doug Ray Scott and says, the rat chase has ended or something like that. He says something to that effect. And he says, I got him. And he drags him in. He drags Ethan Hunt in. And it's the best twist that makes no sense. So he's clearly grunting, Ethan is, because he's been beat up so much. And his hands are tied behind his back. And Doug Ray Scott, Sean Ambrose, gets his final say with Ethan Hunt. And then he shoots him like six times in the chest. And then he falls over and he looks down at his hands and he realizes that the pinky is covered up, which is a really great reveal. And he realizes... Oh my gosh. So what has happened is Ethan has put on the mask of the henchman, changed their clothes. Yeah, and his full attire. Everything he's leather wearing. Leather jacket, black t-shirt, shoes. black pants, everything. And I said, how did he have a mask of the other guy? How did he have the voice imprint? How did he have the voice uh. imprint of that guy? And how did he have a mask of himself? Why would you ever carry around a mask of yourself? You're never going to use it. Like, huge major plot holes for that twist. Now, it would be very boring to have the scene. You're just like, I'm making a bunch of these masks just in case. <laughs> he's out yeah, in the like, back. Like, he's like, listen, I got contingency plans. <laughs> Plan D is that I switched it out yeah. for the mask of myself. And my, thing, and my thing is not the masks that I wrote. And this is also another time where the guy he hits before him, yeah. he snaps his neck. No, no sound. sound. Yeah. It's the timing. He There's not much time in between them fighting, explosion. Oh, definitely not enough time for yes. them to switch yes. all that. Logistically, yeah. he could not have put on his yeah. drawers in that amount of time. Yeah. It is a major, major plot hole. That but, whole, but yeah. it is one of the coolest, like, gotcha moments of the Mission Impossible franchise that oh, you're yeah. like. Zoom into bandage perfection is what I wrote. Right. And also, um, a lot of, so right before Fallout came out last year, there's a guy I follow on Twitter. His name's Matt Singer. 
he works for uh, a blogs at Screen Crush. Okay. I always mistaken it with Screen Rant. Screen Rant, they're not not good. This guy, but he did a big in defense of, and he had a lot of facts that I want to say at the end of this, just to you know throw some weight in behind why I still right. defend this defend movie. Defend this movie, yeah. But he said, is there a lot of mask mask switching? Too much? Maybe. Does this one make sense? Like you said, not really. But they needed him to be in a leather jacket for the rest of the movie. They absolutely did. So it's the shot great, for the. Yes, it's the shot on the poster. It's, it's all of why, it. How do you make a guy get a? You got to pretend to be another guy. And it's like one of those things that I'm sure they explained like a little bit in the stuff that got cut. And honestly, if you don't think about it too hard, you don't really think about it. It's just like something that like I've seen this movie so many times that you're like, wait a second, how did he? What? When did that happen? Like all this stuff. They get out. He takes off before while Doug Ray Scott is realizing what's happening. He's already grabbed the chimera and the antidote, and he's taken off running in slow mo back through well, the pigeons. Even, even we were confused, like how he shot. They shot the last chimera into Nia. How they have? Yeah. A how do you get into? They explain it's her blood, blood so yeah. it's like it's chimera infected blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is still red, yes. so that's convenient. Yes, convenient. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he takes off running through the corridor, through the pigeon, slow mo, rips off the mask. Ethan Hunt is revealed. He jumps up, and um, he's then it's just like motorcycle chase forever, yeah. longest motorcycle chase, cars, explosions, fire, lots of cool motorcycle stunts. Yes. But lots of slow mo. Yes, but and I wrote down so funny how epic these stunts were at the time, but actually pretty basic in terms of Tom Cruise level stunts. Oh yeah. Like in in two thousand, I watched these behind the scenes things of like he's doing nose wheelies. Yeah, the he's nose like, wheelie. Yeah. He's uh, it's just the doing nose wheelie yes. whip around in yes. slow mo with the shoots at the car. Him doing a lot of that himself. He, he they say he did about ninety five percent of his own stunts and that, a lot of stuff. And what was the movie? I think you were talking about Top Gun. He had never ridden a motorcycle. So yeah. in the span of 15 years, about, yeah. he's now like doing crazy things. But I took my little nephew to see Jurassic World live in Indianapolis like a couple weekends ago. Yeah. And like the live performers were doing all of these stunts. And I was like, okay, so it's not, <laughs> not, that, hard. not that hard. And again, <laughs> those were dirt bikes, so they're a lot lighter. Right. But I was just like, it's so crazy how it doesn't even need to be these movies get better as they get go through yeah because i think sometimes i think uh like three and four i still put over five and i know five's your favorite for other reasons I'm well, sure. five was like a movie yes. meant for me yeah. it was specifically written for jessica ross but the stunts definitely go up and up oh, which yeah. is why i love this well even in like fallout like the motorcycle chase in fallout and like how it was against real traffic and like all that like on just, cobblestone yeah, basically. on cobblestone yeah, like which that, is insane like yes. he's definitely ratcheting it up as it goes on. But so that scene ends, the motorcycle chase scenes with them both jumping off of their motorcycles no, they, into a they, midair uh, hug. So, much. <laughs> so they do like a mini chicken uh, motorcycle chase off on the road. And this is a, a stunt where Tom Cruise then has to block himself because he's driving on the left side of him. Oh, yeah. By jumping is that off, physically possible? I, I don't know. He jumps off the motorcycle as it's going and just using his feet to, like, glide. He's, like, riding alongside block, the motorcycle on the road. basically use the motorcycle as a shield when he's shooting at him. I'm like, wouldn't your feet and just, then, like, light on fire? Yeah, and then he keeps going, and then now Dugger Scott, Sean Ambrose is chasing him. Then they go through the woods. Then they There's get to the bake. beach. I'm sure yeah. this is where a lot of stuff was cut. Yes. Because it doesn't make any sense how they get from point A to point B. But what they did was they made a track in the sand. Not the sand. It's uh, above the it's beach. It's a cliff, yeah. yeah. 
where they basically go full on chicken. It's the same tracks. So they're obviously going straight at each other. They're not using guns anymore, even though after this on the fight, they there are two guns, guns yeah. now that work. So I don't know what they just want to see who. So they run at each other and your dad, we call this his bloopers. <laughs> your dad noticed that they did not put the same tires on this tracked motorcycles as yeah. the ones that were driving. Yeah. Just and again, that's something I would never know. But he yeah. he seems to be somewhat of a. He's an equipment guy. Yes. I'm a wardrobe. Yeah. I'm a wardrobe gal. He's an equipment guy. You see dirt under my fingernail. I don't know what tires <laughs> are on these motorcycles. Are you kidding me? <laughs> So then instead of like wrecking, they just leap themselves off. And you can obviously tell a wire is pulling them up. It's just a, such a weird jump. Like well, yeah, because like physics get, would never would do never that. never get the momentum to jump straight up. They just smack into each other. And then these motorcycles that were going straight at each other are exploding in the air, like 10 or 12 feet in the air. <laughs> but their hit sends them over the like two cliffs into the sand. Again, like so far down, it would kill you. But to the left of them, they would have had to like jump like, out Wah! to the side. Yeah. But no, they jump straight up. Ugh, the physics, physics of it yeah. don't make any sense. And then the beach fight is some of the best, coolest, oh. like martial arts, hand to hand combat stuff. The knife scene where the knife just like goes right next to his eye makes me want to die every time because it's and, so close and, that and it's is, real. Yes, that no, that is the the most Tom Cruisiest thing of this entire movie. Is the fact that can you imagine him him going up to people and be like, No, we made a rig, guys, where we made the knife <laughs> stop mere <laughs> centimeters from my eyeball. And yeah. they're like, Well, that's cool. And then he's like, No, but we used a real knife and everyone else is like, Why? Why? Yeah. And he's like, Because it's a real knife. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yes, yeah. yeah. And it's just like because Oh my gosh, the shot is awesome, but yeah. it's like it, it literally is like it's stressful. Um there's the cool slow-mo kicking of the gun in the sand. But there's a lot of moves in this that you're like, they would be dead after that. Not only that, there's a lot of moves where they're like, all right, the shot's going to look great. You're going to come running at him. Right. And you're going to do a kick where you're, you know, you're, you're running this way, but you're going to turn in the air and you're going to use your right foot to twirl around and hit him on the left side of his jaw. Yeah. Cool. Any human being would just move out of the way. Right. <laughs> so they keep telling Ambrose, like, Duggar Scott, and they're like, well, actually, probably a stunt double. I've, I think poor Duggar did not do any of this. No, like, fight. like, hurry, it you got to fall like, over so we can get yeah, the close-up of your face. Yes, of your face as you're falling. But, like, no like no one in a fight is just like, all right, he's running at me. I'm just going to stand here yeah. and take it. Oh, right. I'll I wait for kicked. you to do your cool spinning move before he kick me in the face. But, like, all good fights, it happens to Tom Cruise in a decent beat, but then, the, you know, the tides turn. And then it goes back and forth, back and it forth. It does. It's a pretty fair fight. A rock hits they... Tom Cruise straight in the face. And then he kicks him right after and that, too. And then he kicks him onto, Sean Ambrose onto a rock. Does not give them, see, I think CTE is going to happen in their future. But right, they yeah. Didn't, they didn't scan for it. The NFL didn't <laughs> They didn't scan for it back it. then. But basically, what happens is Ethan Hunt obviously wins. He saves the day. He ends up actually shooting Sean three times. Um, and he gets Naya the antidote. And... She's fine. And then, you know, there's a couple wrap up scenes with Anthony Hopkins and, and things like that. And then they walk off into the sunset in the harbor in Sydney, Australia, to which Chase and I noticed the first time we watched this together. You have to say what it is. There's all these people in the park, but it's clearly just extras. Yes. And it's yeah, it's it's the, the final scene is them in a park coming up to each other and like not kissing, but like embracing each other. 
in the very last scene of the movie, as the camera is like panning away with them, like zooming out, there's a group of three or four kids with a football and they're tossing it like a hot potato because they're three feet next to each other. And it is the it is it looks so stupid. One of the kids passes the football like it's a basketball, like you would pass to like somebody on a basketball court. And we're like, and what? Yes. We both the first time we noticed it was the first time we watched it together. I was like, what is it happening to the right with that football? Yeah, and again, as someone who's like been on sets, a lot of times with extras, if it's something that makes a lot of noise, they don't want you to do it. Like for instance, there was a movie that came out this year, and I'm trying to place it, but it it dealt with a tech company yeah and in the background it was supposed to be like a cool like this is a cool workspace everyone's having fun there are ping pong tables in the background and these two extras are playing ping pong no but ball no ball because obviously you would hear it ding, ding. but like yeah. they couldn't do anything to hide the angle it just looks you're literally watching two guys just like slap randomly and again these extras don't know where the camera's at so sometimes they're gonna not give us much effort yeah like if so at one point they were like hitting a fake ball, but like at the same time, yeah. like speed wise, like, that wouldn't, it's yeah. just like, it's such a, it's so. That's the stuff that we notice, the background yes. stuff. Yeah. As someone who's been on a movie set, a good movie or bad, it is just amazing that movies can be made and completed because it's just like, there's so many things like I, you might've actually written this in your, uh, your trivia thing, but there was a big to do in Australia. They're like, basically, it was a negative report. Oh, that, okay, I, wrote, yeah, okay. I wrote this, but you tell it. So, but they're making it sound like Tom Cruise is a snob. Yeah. Because there's like, like, they're, they're like, don't look memo, him in like, the eye. They're like, do not look at him in the eye as he walks by, which there are some people like, I've heard things like Dr. Phil. There are some people where like, you are not <laughs> allowed. Yes. I don't know why it's him because yeah. he just seems like not that important, but yeah. there are, you know, there are A-listers, celebrities that just have this crazy, yeah, yeah. like they're in the moment. Like even Christian Bale, like that sad time at on the Terminator set, someone just happened to talk through his lines, and he, they got they got a near full. Yeah, I'll just say that. But what happened was, and this happens all the time on set. There was a memo that came out, and it was for it was the for extras like, in the horse race. Yeah, scene. yeah, it was a horse race. But basically, like, don't look him in the eye when they're shooting because they had so many shots that were ruined because a lot of these. And it's always a miserable time. When you have a bunch of extras, because so many extras were just literally the whole scene. We're just looking at Tom Cruise, like pointing at Tom Cruise. Like, and it's being Tom like, Cruise. It's Tom Cruise. Yeah. Like, Dude, you're not supposed to know who he's he is. He's a spy yeah. in the scene. Oh, that like I can as someone who would have to coordinate like a lot of times when I worked on sets, it was coordinating extras. Yeah. Like when to walk, what to do. Right. We know that you're so blurry in the background. Do do somersaults. It, yeah, no one. We cares. don't care. But if you're close enough, you you gotta look no like you're doing icon, something. Yes, yes. Like there's, you gotta look like a real person reacting in yes. the scene. Yeah. Oh, it's I I feel so bad when things are ruined because they and background extras think that they are like making it to the big leagues. They think it is. And again, oh yeah, it is cool. Yeah. Like when I'm a PA and, and like Robert Downey Jr. standing next to me, like I have to fangirl internally right you're like i'm dying inside yeah but when people are like oh man i want to take a picture you because we're gonna work together again you're just like no dude you are reading a fake paper 30 feet away like no one knows who you are you're not even in the shot Uh, man yeah so i'm sure these poor kids are just like toss us around and they're like but you want us in the shot so they give them 
two and a half feet of wiggle room. So they're like, all right, we'll here's a football. Just toss it. Oh, my gosh. Um, all right, so let's bad. run through some trivia. We're coming up on two hours on this. This is so long. I love it, though. I knew it would be long. I told him before we started. I was like, this is going to be a long one, and I love it. Um, okay, so a lot of these we've already covered, so hopefully this won't take too long, and then you can hit me with your hard facts at the end. Um, Tom Cruise's then-wife, Nicole Kidman, actually suggested Tandy Newton as the love interest, and she was actually cast before the script was even written, which I think is fascinating. Um, it was the highest-grossing movie of 2000. I know that's and, one of and, your but, facts. But it is. But it worldwide, I think something else hit it domestically, and I forget what it was. But worldwide, it was gross, the highest. It was the highest. Um, each director in the franchise has been asked to return for the sequel to their movies, except for John Woo. He was the only one not asked. But Christopher McQuarrie is the only one who's done it. Yes. So I thought this was fascinating, but only from a purely personal perspective but because this production ran significantly over tandy newton was forced to drop out of charlie's angels and charlie's angels was one of my favorite movies in high school and i can't imagine tandy newton being in it like well, who was she who was she was she like lucy Liu's character like i don't know who which one was she so this was interesting um because of his huge back-end deals on the movie tom cruise was forced to pay for the production overruns out of his own pocket which, which is crazy. Which probably... He, I think that's normal, though. He's a yeah, producer, I so mean, it's like... He probably had money he used for tissues in his back pocket to fill, like... Oh, yeah. Um, let's see here. I makes so much bank on these movies. Uh, so John Woo likes to create theme music with his composer in advance of production as it works as inspiration while working. So uh, he and Hans Zimmer went to Spain and that led to them incorporating a lot of the guitar into the music, which I think makes the movie, honestly. Um, Tom Cruise and Tandy Newton were both in an interview with a vampire together before this, and she had a very, very small part. Um, let's see here. The, I thought this was interesting because I had Corbin do a breakdown. She'd seen five and six. She didn't see any of the other ones. And I said, based on what you know, what do you think's going to happen in one? And she said, I think he's going to have to clear his name. And she actually wasn't far off from her, what she thought was going to happen. Say this is like the only time where he actually the, is just an agent. Yes. 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 It's the only movie where he's just working yes. for the IMF and, and he's not yes. on the run or being accused of something. So again, number two, like it has its unique flair of the fact that like it's not a cookie cutter like all these other ones. <laughs> it is funny though. I didn't even think about that until I read that. I was like, oh, you know what? That's right. Um, this movie actually, it does feature the highest amount of mask wearing in any Mission Impossible movie. Do you know how many are worn? Okay. This is great. I'm going to, I'm going to just think through. So we've got the original in the beginning with the plane. Right. Then you've got the doubles of, of Ambrose being Ethan while Ethan is being Russian or what John C. McCloy, your Russian gypsy. Yes. Um, you got, oof. Uh, then the Ethan henchman switch. So we're at five, and I know I'm missing some. I'm gonna say seven. It is five. It is five. Okay, it's so five. I did not miss you any. You didn't miss any. Five was that's correct. That's a lot. It's a lot. Um, and then my last piece, which I think is hilarious, is Steve Zahn was originally cast as Billy Baird, and I think that would have been amazing. That'd have been amazing. Yeah, that would have been great. So, so what, couple, are your, what are your hard facts, man? Hit well, me. He, he, in other f trivia is like a lot of things else that like made the production so weird. So they had a cinematographer, like the cameraman. Oh, yeah. 
literally only a month in he's like i can't do this well it just like it just came to terms like so a lot of times with like action you want different angles and you're not right. going to do the same stunt over and over so you have to shoot multiple cameras and right. this, this guy just like wasn't he was like a single camera guy then you have your editor who got in a yes, motorcycle got, accident like got in a motorcycle Couldn't accident. Use his hands. Yes. crazy you need your hands when you edit like you that's, do oh gosh over a year in physical therapy like just so much happened on this movie. i just think it's so fascinating because obviously the big thing being like Doug Ray Scott and and Wolverine, and but the E. McCallum one blew my mind. Like the fact yeah. that Lord of the Rings or X Men. I know. All right. So a lot of people like to harp on this movie being the lowest Rotten Tomato. The lo- yeah, critics, tomato meter critically, score it's been the lowest and of the audience franchise. score. Right. But I always like to just try to find like. When you're on the debate team on the side, that's like, obviously, you have to find, you gotta find you something. You got to find something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like the fact that Metacritic, which is a compilation, the same thing. Rotten Tomatoes, though, is a compilation of reviewers of what percentage of those reviewers gave it a thumbs up or a thumbs right. down. So 50, I think you said 54, 56, 54% said good. So even more than half, but low. And then 43% of... Uh, like normal audience people were like meh yeah but that's not at the time of it coming out like anyone right 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 yeah that's over time metacritic takes those same reviews and gives it a grade right so like like a number an actual number like you got a grade on a paper and it's the same grade that the first movie got they both got mixed 59 out of 100 interesting well it makes sense that they like scored the same because it's they're so opposite of each other. So it's like the if you liked the first one, you probably wouldn't like the second Which, one. What this movie has also, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of things that are. Well, you said too, it, it's the highest. Oh, what? so so pound for pound, it is still the most profitable Mission Impossible. Before Fallout, it was still the highest grossing Mission Impossible. It only we got we beat. really tipped Fallout over the yes. edge with the oh, seven yeah, times. By the times, yeah. We we were tweeting Chris from Record pictures of us like <laughs> with the tickets. Like we're seeing it again. This we're is such great. Nerds. Yes. This is time six. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, but this movie did get beat by Fallout by five, four and a half, five million towards its end. But Fallout had fifty million dollar higher budget. And it's just so interesting. Like you you see. Like, cause we could look up on IMDb now, but you think of all the like the high end A list actors, actresses. Yeah. They get to that point when they are these legends, and their IMDb listings have like over a hundred things they've done. They've yeah. Done, you know, like, cause they've done this. Tom Cruise is still like low forties, like forty four. Yeah, I know because I have to do an episode yeah. for this. Yeah. He still has not done many movies. Yeah. So when they like, well, and he, but a lot of that too is like these action movies take years to film. Oh yeah. For so sure. like he's, you know, if you got Meryl Streep doing like, you know, I'm, I'm playing Julia Child and then I'm playing, you know what I mean? Like oh, they're just like, sure. she's just talking <laughs> like it's not, and not that she's not amazing, but it's not like I'm dangling from a helicopter. Yes. <laughs> like I think I've seen, I'd love like, to see Meryl yeah, Streep doing that though. Like eight seth rogan movies in one year because you make jokes in this movie you make jokes. it's right not, it's just know, the like same it, thing yeah. yeah yeah yeah, for sure and so tom I, cruise I is it. just really ambitious and he's producing all of this stuff so he's involved from start to finish like but you're absolutely right like tom hanks has like a million credits meryl streep a million credits like it is true 
um, that he's he's got less, which is which now I'm glad that I I never thought about that, but I'm glad I picked him because I don't think I could have handled like sixty or seventy. I just I like defending this movie, saying the fact that like the money spoke for itself. The reviews at the time were were basically the same. It's just just like I think a lot of people have come around on things like Phantom Menace, where like there's kids near our age that were just like jar jar now we're adults and we're just like oh but then more kids are watching those movies or watch the animated shows and now like they're like you know what those prequels get a bad rap yeah. and i've rewatched them and no they're still terrible but right. like <laughs> this is not a movie that kids will rewatch. so i just think that this when it gets a bad rap there's no redemption of other people being like you know what yeah so so a guy that like lived through 2000 at the right age could say like i can say without a shadow of a doubt not many movies were being talked about in school as much as this movie. Right. And see, I didn't, I never saw it. I didn't see it in 2000. I didn't oh, really? see it when it came. No, I have watched that like, psh, and I can understand a long that time would after not that. Be yeah. Fun. You know, there, there's definitely a more male audience oh, for yeah. this one. So I can see. Yeah. You know, it's meant for you dudes. You didn't have a Rebecca Ferguson in this. Like, Ugh. Katie Newton is not kicking much but she walks around like a zombie for most yeah. of the movie because she's infected with a virus yeah and her whole job is to seduce the main villain yeah yeah it was meant for dudes rebecca ferguson kicks butt yeah i can't wait for the rogue nation one um i think that your defense of it i think you're very level-headed in your defense of it because you you get it but i think your reasons for liking it are are valid so i that's why i wanted you on this podcast because i was like i think you have a good defense of the movie. Yeah. But I at least want to say I'm not defending it because I like it so much. It does hold a special place in my heart. Right. I'm it's defending for you. I'm defending the not as bad as most people say. It's just right, it's, right, right. It's yeah, so, yeah. I'm it's not, sort of like you're not defending kind of, yeah. it as the best of the franchise, but you're just saying like it might not be the worst. Yeah, I don't know. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. This one's just made for dudes. Um, I think we're gonna have to bring you back for three clearly because oh man, we have so, we still so have happy. so much more to talk about. But I think we gotta wrap this up. Chase, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I, I appreciate I'm it. So I am so happy you're doing this. I'm so proud of you. It's my <laughs> as my as my buddy. And I, yes, I have listened to podcasts for over over a decade. I remember at, towards the end of high school, I was like, this is so great. It's like radio podcast, in your yeah. ears <laughs> with things you know you want to listen to. Right. Um, it, it, this whole time I've been like, I cannot wait to do my, po- this is the first podcast I've ever been Ooh. on and I am so excited. Woohoo! Why it had to be Mission Impossible 2, I do not know, <laughs> but hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. That's awesome. Well, we all come back for more and, um, and I really think we should consider starting another podcast. I, yes, we, we had many ideas already. We call it, what Mission Improbable. <laughs> Something like, like, yeah, you know, just, yeah. Just impossible like, movie yes, force. Imp- yes. We had so many that were Mission Impossible themed. Yeah. That's why, yeah. That's they why. still could do that. I was like, two Tom Cruise themed. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on,